From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, here in the greater Nashville, Tennessee area, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. I'm delighted today that you've joined us, and we will, I trust, have some good things for you. Every day, five days a week, we get together right here on this station, and uh, we spend some time with an open Bible. We just talk about the things that God's given us in His Word, and right now we're looking at what I'm calling some ground zero issues. These are things that people really, really need to understand. I'm talking about basic, fundamental issues. Monday and Tuesday, we talked about salvation, what it is, how we get it, the whole details of that. Yesterday, we looked at the matter of salvation and then what's next. What do we do once we are saved? And we looked at the details of that about getting baptized, getting in church, etc. Now, today, I want us to address the issue of once saved, and I'm just saying, once saved, you're in. That is, you're in the family of God. You have the assurance of a reservation for heaven when you die. And I'll look at the details of that in just a moment. But let me remind you that the Sword of the Lord has a men's conference that's coming up November 11 and 12 right here at Sword Headquarters in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And I hope that all of you guys are going to plan to be with us. I mean, I don't know what we would do if you all showed up because the auditorium uh, is limited to about 300. But the first 300 guys who register they get a seat. So I hope that you'll plan to be with us. We'd look forward to that. It's a great event. We've done it for a number of years, and I think you'll find it to be a blessed time. November 11 and 12, it's a Friday night and a Saturday. Now, let's get to our study today. And remember, we're building off of two precious passages that give us pointed instruction. For example, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So those two passages tell us that we need to get ourselves advised, get ourselves taught, so that uh, when people inquire of us about our faith, we'll be able to give them a decent answer. So today, we're not just talking about how to get salvation, but once you have gotten salvation, the fact is you are then in the family of God. Now, some folks think the salvation they receive can be lost if they sin. And if you were to say to me, how do you address that? I would say they're totally mistaken. That is not the case. We get saved because we put our faith and trust in the Savior, and we do so even though we're sinners. And uh, the fact that you are saved does not mean that you will be perfect thereafter. And if you sin thereafter, you do not lose your salvation. Now, the second thing that we run into, some people admit that they do wrong, but they say they don't sin. 
Now, that's just a misrepresentation of the Bible's definition of sin. Uh, The things that are wrong, that violates God's law, or that violate God's will, we have to say they're sin. So you can't redefine sin and make this come out to fit your uh, mistaken theology. Some other people say that God saves, but the person who has been saved has to then perform in a certain way, or they will lose their salvation. Now again, folks, that just doesn't meet scriptural muster. In all of these cases that I've just noted, the folks are just biblically ill-advised, or if I may go ahead and use the term biblically ignorant. They just do not understand what the Bible teaches about this and what the reality of it is. And so we need to get at the truth. And here's where we go with this. Salvation is of the Lord. When you come to Christ, you are birthed into the family of God, and that makes us a child of God. Remember John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, As many as received him, talking about Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So once again, we put our trust in the Savior. We are saved. We're birthed into the family of God, and we are a child of God. Remember Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of people struggle whenever we tell them that they are saved permanently, that that birthing into the family of God is forever. And sometimes they'll say, You mean once saved, always saved is a reality? And immediately I have to say, yes, that is the reality. But some folks balk at that. They just can't understand it because they do not see, they have not been taught correctly about eternal security. When we come to Christ, the Lord secures us and we are therefore saved. Now, let me just point out to you some things from the Bible. Let's just start where we're all familiar in John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, when the Bible uses this term everlasting, and in some other verses it uses the term eternal, when we have the word eternal or the word everlasting, let me just ask you a question. What do you think that term means? Does it mean Monday, Wednesday, and Friday? Does it mean just in the summertime? Does it mean until you do something wrong? What does that term everlasting and that term eternal mean? Well, obviously, those are terms that mean forever. They mean unending. They mean it is absolutely permanent. And the Bible uses that term more than once. It's not a mistake. It's not something that you can kind of steer around. But John 3.36 is a classic example where it says, He that believeth on the Son hath, that's present tense, hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So we have the promise of everlasting life, and you and I ought to cling to that everlasting point and principle. Now, a second thing, I want you to look in Romans chapter 8, and let's read some of the verses here, starting in verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Notice the terminology there. What the Lord provides for us, he gives freely. 
That's not something you earn. It's not something you pay for later, but it is given freely, and the term, again, is a gift. And that, again, is something the Bible uses repeatedly. Verse 33 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now watch this carefully. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written? For thy sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You say, what is that all about? It's talking about this everlasting salvation. It's talking about this eternal security. It's talking about the fact that the salvation that you have is given to you on an everlasting basis. It is something the Lord gives you forever. Let me get you to also uh, take note of a passage we studied in our Philippians study the other day. This is in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, being confident. Think about that. Confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, what's that about? It's about the everlasting salvation. It's about the eternal security that we have in Christ. The Lord begins a work in us when he saves us. And this passage says he'll just keep performing it. He's going to keep it in place. Everything is going to be secure until the day of Christ, meaning the time when the rapture occurs. Uh, you think about passages like uh, Hebrews chapter 10 that talks about how Christ died once, once for all. In fact, uh, looking at chapter 10 of Hebrews in verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Think about that. He did it once, only needed to do it once, and every priest standeth daily ministering and oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God and from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. So, dear friends, give consideration to this. This passage says that he made the offering of himself once, and he did it for everybody, and that one sacrifice was sufficient to take care of things forever, and by one offering he has done this, and it's forever. The term is there once again, forever. Now, all of this lays out very carefully the scenario that you and I need to see and we need to understand. There's a passage in Hebrews chapter 6 that uh, oftentimes gets misrepresented, and I want to bring it up here. It's uh, chapter 6 of Hebrews, verses 4, 5, and 6. And here's what it says. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, have tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God in the powers of the world to come. If, if, notice this if, and let me just simply say, this is a hypothetical if here. 
It says, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So if you could lose your salvation, it would mean in order for you to get saved again, Christ would have to be crucified a second time. You say, why is that? Because the sacrifice he made on the cross, he did once and he did it forever. It was to be done once and once only. And if we were to have to need salvation a second time, it would mean crucifying Christ afresh. And the verse says to do so would put him to an open shame. Why would it shame Christ if we did it that way? If we did it that way, it would mean that what Christ has told us didn't work out. It would mean that his one death on the cross was not sufficient, and that would just be a total embarrassment to the whole plan of God, and it's just not the way that it is. Now, this passage uses the term, it says it is impossible. If somebody who's had all of the good things related to the Lord, if they have that, if they shall fall away. It doesn't say they did fall away, it's just saying if such a thing were to happen. It would be an open shame to the Lord. It would mean you could never be saved again until Christ had been crucified a second time. I'm telling you, you talk about a passage that teaches the everlasting nature of salvation and the eternal security that we have. That passage nails it. So, dear friends, take note. Look through the Bible. Losing salvation is not a problem in the New Testament era. I mean, you read all through the Bible. You don't find people coming back a second and third time saying they need to get saved over again. Even the carnal Corinthian church, and I mean, if there's ever been a church that was off the rails from where they should have been, that church in Corinth was off the rails, and they were totally in carnality, and yet the Apostle Paul says in the passage, they were still saved. So what I'm telling you today is, Yes, once you are saved, you are always saved. Once you are saved, you are in the family of God. You're born again, you're a child of God, and you are eternally secure. I'm telling you, it's great what the Lord does for us when he saves us. We'll do some more on this tomorrow, and I trust that you'll join me then. In the meantime, do check us out on our website at swordofthelord.com. we got a lot of good things of interest for you there. And at the same time, I want you to write me a note. Let me know that you hear the broadcast. I'll be glad to respond to you. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. And the email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. And I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. So join me then. Until that time, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day and goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.